0: Psalm chapter 10, verse 1. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? I'm going to repeat that one more time. Psalm chapter 10, verse 1. We're going to be spending quite a bit of time in the Psalms today. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? I imagine that most of us who have spent several years in the Christian faith can can really understand the depths of these words that we just read. This is the heartfelt cry of a person who loves God, but does not feel his presence. This is the cry of the soul of a a person who is a child of God, who is saved, who who does love the Lord, who does want to serve him, And yet, they feel forsaken, they feel abandoned, and they feel like God is not with them. And this difficult season of life is what I want us to address today in our time together. Because many great men and women of God throughout history have experienced this time of difficulty Throughout the church's history, there have been some of, some of the greatest saints have experienced the greatest times of darkness. And, you know, different people call this season of life by different names. Some call it spiritual depression. Others call it a faith crisis. Some call it the dark night of the soul. But regardless of whatever you call it, or just a bad time of spiritual dryness, there are times in life, my brothers and sisters, when we will feel alone. When we will read that the Bible says that God is always with us, yet those words will seem like a slap in the face because there's no inclination of his presence around us. And I think now that now more than ever, we really need to be honest with ourselves and with God. I think that we ought to be so sick and fed up with the superficiality of our current culture. It's all about external things. It's all about saying, oh, I'm doing fine when you're actually not feeling fine because the other person really doesn't have the time of day to listen to how you're doing or to consider your problems or your issues. But listen, if we are going through problems, if we are going through issues, if we are experiencing deep sadness and, and grief and dryness in our lives, the only way we are going to be able to see that problem resolved is, this, is if we acknowledge that we have a problem in the first place. You cannot solve a problem. You cannot see a resolution unless you acknowledge that, hey, I'm not okay. I am broken. I am human. I am imperfect. I don't feel good all the time. My faith is weak at times. I feel depressed. I feel anxious. And yet we almost want to try and hide these things from God as if he didn't know about it. We want to be good Christians, therefore we want to just be happy all the time and never be sad. But Listen, some of the greatest saints throughout the Bible and throughout all of the church's history have experienced that very feeling that they have been abandoned by God. And that may not seem very Christian to say that, but again, we're going to be honest here today. We're going to throw superficiality out the window. And we're going to be real, we're going to be raw, and we're going to be honest about these times of spiritual darkness that all of us pass through at some point or another in our lives. Moses went through it. David went through it. The prophets went through it. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Jonah. And then even Jesus Christ himself experienced this feeling. What did he say on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me. So, go with me in your Bibles now to Psalm chapter 13, verses 1 through 2. We're going to be considering the words of David today. Psalm chapter 13, verses 1 through 2. And as we read these words, I just encourage all of you to really be honest with yourselves and to be honest with God. Really, really search your heart and search your mind. Really consider and examine your life. And just think, where am I at? How have I been feeling? What is going on in my heart and in my soul and in my mind? Be honest with yourselves and be honest with God because he already knows everything there is to know about you. The Bible says he has the hairs of our head all numbered. Okay, Psalm chapter 13, verses 1 through 2. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Notice that David mentions his enemy here. Okay, And for those of you who may not know, David, he was the king of Israel and he was a man of war. And since he was a man of war, he was surrounded by his enemies. There were people all the time that constantly wanted David dead. They wanted to kill him. And that included, even at times, people from his own country, like King Saul, and then later down the line, uh, David's own son, Absalom. They wanted to kill David. And then the pagan nations around him, they wanted to come into Israel, and they wanted to wipe them out, and they wanted David dead. So David's feeling of abandonment, whatever the situation, the circumstance was here, it was provoked by a difficult circumstance. His enemy was closing in. He did not see a way of escape, and he felt like he had been abandoned by God. And this is often what happens. That we often experience spiritual depression in a, a dark night of the soul during difficult circumstances, during difficult trials. And while it is true that at times in life, when you go through trials and tribulations, you will feel closer to God then than you ever had before, It's also true that at other times you will feel farther away from God than you've ever felt from Him before when you go through grief or loss or tragedy or even, strangely enough, when everything seems to be fine but you just feel numb and you feel dry and that joy and that desire you had for the things of God in the past just doesn't seem to be there. And you just come to church and you just pray and you just read your Bible because you're supposed to, not because it makes you feel anything special. And that's the mystery of this. And we'll, we'll go into that a little bit more here in a bit. But this is often what happens. We go through trials and tribulations and it feels like God is so far away. And notice also the complete honesty, the brutal honesty that David shared or that David expressed when he spoke to the Lord. Look at these words that he says. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? He thought that God had forgotten him. How long will you hide your face from me? He knew that God saw him. He knew that God was was omnipresent. In other words, that he's everywhere all at once. But at the same time, David's asking him, God, why have you hidden yourself? Why don't you care about me anymore? Why don't you love me anymore? Why won't you stay by my side? This is how David felt. Therefore, this is how David spoke to the Lord with honesty. Because he knew that God was strong enough to handle his concerns, to handle his prayers. He knew that God was strong enough and able to handle these questions. And we need to remember that nowadays as well. We always need to be respectful in our prayers to God. We always need to be reverent. But at the same time, it is perfectly acceptable to tell God exactly how you feel. Because like I said before, he already knows how we are feeling, even when we don't tell him. Nothing takes him by surprise. Nothing's going to catch him off guard. And he's not going to be mad and upset that you're mad and upset. He's not like us. You know, when people around us get all fired up and stuff, we just kind of lose control with them. we're like, oh yeah, I'm mad and fired up too. And we it's all this whole kind of group effort. But God, he's not like that. He doesn't get riled up. He's constant. He doesn't change. He remains the same. So he's our rock and we can pour out our hearts to him. And I love what David says here as well. How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? Consider that phrase, how long must I take counsel in my soul? In other words, he's asking the question, how long must I be tormented by my thoughts? How many of us have experienced that? being tormented by our thoughts and our doubts and our questions. How many of us have taken counsel in our souls when we really try to think our way through a situation? We really try to think, why why is God doing this? Why did He allow this to happen? Why is this difficult trial and circumstance coming upon me or coming upon my family member or my friend? What sense does this make? What, What could God possibly have in store for me? in the midst of such a difficult time? Well, what purpose could God possibly have in allowing me to feel completely dry and numb? What purpose could God have in allowing me to have no desire for the things of the Lord when I'm just feeling empty and barren? Why would God allow me to feel like He isn't there? And we take counsel in our souls. We try to think why. Like, well, what's the purpose? Well, what's the plan here? And yet we only find more confusion and more division and strife within ourselves. I'm sure many of you have experienced this. I know I've experienced it in my own life, trying to figure out what's going on. And yet you feel worse each and every day because you just really don't have a clue. Go with me now to Psalm chapter 22, verses 1 through 2. And these words will be very familiar because Jesus quoted these words on the cross. Psalm 22, verses 1-2. through 2. This is David again. He says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. David, a man after God's own heart, and that title was given to him by God. David, a man after God's own heart, he was doubting that God was actually with him. He felt forsaken by God, and if we are honest with ourselves and with the Lord, we feel that way too at times. David was doubting, and that's a huge part of this. When you're going through a faith crisis, when you're going through a dark night of the soul, spiritual depression, whatever you call it, doubt plays a huge factor where you are tormented by your thoughts. You're tormented by your questions. Maybe you're doubting your salvation. Maybe you're doubting that you're actually forgiven. Perhaps you're doubting that God loves you or you're doubting that God is for you and not against you, or you're doubting the Bible, or you're doubting that God exists, whatever it may be, doubt is at the center of this, where our thoughts consume us and where we have these questions and where, where we thought we knew something about the Bible and we thought we knew something about God, but then it seems like all of our theology is just turned upside down and we're just wondering, what is going on? Everything that I thought I knew is now in question. And oftentimes we will wonder, should I give up? Is it, is it really worth it? What am I going to do? Doubt is at the center of this. And David he says, "Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, and by night, but I find no rest." Someone may think to themselves, "Oh." It is true that God, he has felt distant here lately, but he's going to answer me today. You know, I'm going to wake up extra early in the morning and I'm going to seek God. I'm going to claim his promises over my life. I'm going to meditate upon his word. I'm going to pray throughout the day and then he will answer me. He will restore his joy to me. He will restore his peace and I will feel his love. And then there's nothing. You go through all the steps. You go through all these things, and yet there's no answer. But then they'll think, Aha! God's going to answer me tonight. You know, I've got all the distractions of the day behind me. All all these things that could possibly, you know, cause me to take my eyes off the Lord tonight. I'm really going to pursue the Lord. I'm going to sit in silence. I'm going to cry out to Him, and He will answer me. And yet the night comes. And they take counsel in their souls. And they pray to God. They meditate upon his word. And there's only silence. And their prayers, they feel like their prayers are bouncing off the ceiling and slapping them back in the face. Because there's nothing. No feeling. No inspiration. Just darkness. Just sadness. Just numbness. this is something that the greatest Christians go through, okay? And the, some of the not the greatest Christians. In my own life, I have experienced this. For me personally, I don't know why exactly, but I feel most connected with God usually whenever I go outside at nighttime and I'm under the stars and I just get to pray to the Lord. And you get to, you get to really see His beauty on display under you know, a starry night. But there's been times before when I was going through spiritual dryness, I could go outside, and I might as well have been looking at a brown wall, watching paint dry. Because I just, I didn't feel anything. There was no inspiration. I really thought to myself, you know, this is the place where I connect with God, and if I don't connect with Him here in this place, seeing the majesty of His creation, thinking about all of His promises and His goodness to me, then I'm never going to get better. And I would go out, and I would try to connect with the Lord and yet I wouldn't feel anything. And all my problems and all the situations and the issues that I was facing would be in the forefront of my mind, and I would feel like there was no answer. So I'm telling you this from experience, okay? It is okay to be honest with yourself about this. If this is your condition today, if you are going through spiritual darkness, if you are doubting God's goodness, doubting God's love, doubting that you're saved, Doubting that what Christ did on the cross was truly enough for you? I want you to know that God can handle your doubts. But you have to be honest about it. Don't pretend that all is fine and that all is okay when everything is not okay. And we have a biblical precedent for that, okay? I'm not just coming up here sharing my opinion with you all. This is one of the greatest kings in the history of Israel, one of the greatest saints of the Bible, King David. And he, is pouring his, he was pouring his heart out before God, which means that we can as well. So then, here's the question we all need to ask. How then can a person make it through this? How can you possibly make it through a season in life when you feel completely and totally forsaken and abandoned by God? I'd like for you all to turn with me now to Isaiah chapter 50. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 10. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10. The Bible says, "Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely." On his God. Who among you at Oak Grove Church fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant Jesus Christ? Let him or her who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. Notice what this verse is saying. This exhortation is. For God's people who do fear Him, who do love Him, and who do obey the voice of His servant Jesus, of His Son Jesus, that's the mystery of this: that it is possible to be on good terms with God. It is possible to be to be loving God and serving Him, meditating upon His Word, praying faithfully, serving the Lord. And yet, you feel nothing. You're serving God. You're, you're pursuing Him. You're seeking Him with all of your heart, as the Bible promises in Jeremiah twenty-nine thirteen. But it seems like you're not finding Him in this present moment. So what is our response to be according to this verse whenever we are passing through spiritual darkness, when we are facing spiritual depression? What do we do? When the stars at night feel closer to us than God does. What do we do when there's no end to the numbness or the lack of happiness? What does it say? Trust in the name of the Lord and rely on your God. It seems elementary, I know, but it's actually very deep and very profound. And if you go through one of these times of darkness, you'll understand what I mean. That whenever everything seems to be turned upside down in your life, it becomes a lot more difficult to actually continue to trust in God and to rely upon God. But that is exactly what we must do. The proper response to spiritual oppression is faith based on truth, not feelings. Listen, everyone, this is a major problem in many churches today, that we rely too much on our emotions and our feelings, that we base all of our faith on how we are feeling. If I don't feel like sinning, I'm not going to sin. But if I feel like sinning, I'm going to sin. If I feel like reading my Bible, I'm going to read my Bible. If I don't feel like reading my Bible, I'm not going to read my Bible. If I feel like loving my family members and my neighbors as myself, I'm going to love them as myself. But if I don't feel like it, there's not a chance that I'm going to do that. We rely on our emotions so much. And I'm not saying emotions are bad. The Bible constantly talks about, you know, God, His joy being our strength and rejoicing in the Lord and having peace and happiness in our God. But our emotions, they come and they go. They come and they go. So please don't rely solely on your feelings. I think one of the reasons that God allows us to go through a period of numbness and dryness is to teach us that, hey, you've got to trust in me even when you're in the dark. You've got to trust in the facts. You've got to trust in the things that do not change. We're to trust in the truth of the word. God's promises do not change. His provision does not change. Why? Because he himself does not change. Even when our emotions change, even when we don't feel happy, even when we feel sad, even when we feel anxious and depressed, even when we are going through such darkness, even when just crazy thoughts are filling our minds, we know that God's word doesn't change because he does not change. So he is our rock even in the midst of darkness. We also trust in the truth of past experiences. How many of us have seen in our lives how God can provide when we thought there was no provision available for us? We've all experienced that. If you've been in the faith, in the Christian faith for any time at all, you have seen how God will provide. In the midst of darkness, when you need Him, when you need Him to show up, whether it be because you have an internal struggle or an external struggle, He shows up. He provides. He may not give you exactly what you want, but He'll give you precisely what you need. And also in the history of all of God's people throughout the church and throughout the Bible, we see again and again, God provides. He provided for the Israelites when they were crossing the Red Sea. He provided for the Israelites when they were in the desert for 40 years. He provided for Israel by protecting them again and again from their enemies when they were serving Him. And finally, last but not least, He's provided salvation for the entire world, for all who believe in Him. Regardless of whether you're black or white, rich or poor, famous or unknown, our God is a provider, and we can trust in that based on past experiences, our own and also the experiences of other Christians around us. I think that now more than ever, In the church, we need to have intimacy with one another. We need to have friendship and communion like we did in the past. The Bible says that we are the body of Christ and that each part of the body has its own role. It's just like, you know, like a human body. The different parts of our bodies, they do different things and they complement one another. Well, it's the same in the church. I need all of you and you all need me and we need each other. So when you're going through darkness, when you're feeling dry, open up to Christians who are around you. Call up your your friend, maybe it's your close friend in the faith, and tell him, Hey, I'm going through a really bad time. I don't know what's going on. Tell me about a time whenever God provided for you. Or maybe try to give me some words of wisdom. Or maybe just come alongside me and just sit and just hear me out because I really need someone to talk to. We need to get back to that, I believe. To having deeper friendships with other Christians. Friendships where we're not scared or we don't feel awkward to tell each other exactly how we feel. Because other Christians are a blessing. They are a gift from God. And God will often speak to us through other believers. And furthermore, whenever we're going through spiritual depression and dryness, we need to keep praying. We can see that in the case of David, right? All of these psalms that he wrote, pouring out his heart to God in prayer. And you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but listen to what David says here in Psalm 25, verses 16 through 18. He says, Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. He says to God, Lord, be gracious to me. I'm lonely. I'm afflicted. I'm down in the dumps, and I need you. That's something I admire about David, that no matter how bad things got, no matter how bleak the situation was, he kept on praying. So even when you feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, even when you feel like there's no answer, there's never going to be any provision, all hope is lost, you're going to feel like this for the rest of your life, I assure you that God will hear your prayers. Keep praying. In the midst of the darkness, God is there. He will hear you, and he will answer you in his good time. Keep on praying. Go with me now to Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 through 2. This will be one of the last scriptures we read. Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 through 2. So far, I've, you know, kind of covered the fact that you can be serving God with all of your heart, and you can be loving Him and pursuing Him, and yet at the same time go through spiritual darkness and depression. But there's another issue that we have to address when we're talking about these seasons of difficulty, another cause for spiritual dryness. And it's one we probably don't want to have to consider, but we need to. Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 through 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or His ear dull that it cannot hear. Okay, God, it's not that He's not strong enough. It's not that He's not all-knowing. He is all-knowing. He is strong enough to save. He is good enough. He, he does hear. He does see. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not hear. This is probably the verse, the passage of Scripture, that most of us wouldn't have rather read today, you know, but it's completely and totally necessary to acknowledge that sometimes, not always, but sometimes a Christian will go through a season of spiritual depression and dryness and darkness because of personal sin. And listen, it is between an individual and God to determine if that's the case. And it is not always the case by any means that you're going through a bad time because of your personal sin. But this scripture does bring up that possibility that that could be what is happening sometimes. And even though God does not kick us out of his family when we sin because the blood of Jesus still covers us, our sin can still negatively affect our relationship with God. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So that verse clearly says that it is possible for us to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And when we grieve God, when we grieve His Holy Spirit because we're not taking sin seriously... He will, at times, allow us to face the consequences of our sin. He will allow our relationship with Him, our communion with Him, to be hindered for a time. And this isn't God punishing us. I want to make a good distinction here between punishment and discipline. God punished Jesus for our sins upon the cross, okay? He punished Jesus for our sins on our behalf on the cross. So when this happens, it's not that God's punishing us. It's that He is disciplining us. Is that He is allowing us to face the darkness of the decisions that we ourselves have made so that we will go running back to His light. So that we will be loving Him more when we repent and come through on the other side. Listen everyone, we must be in repentance daily. Amen. Please do not take sin lightly. I'm not saying that you need to feel guilty and condemned all the time because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But if you're not taking sin seriously in your life, you should. Because sin will still negatively affect your relationship with God. It will negatively affect your relationship with your family and with your friends and with complete and total strangers. Even as Christians, we are still imperfect and we still mess up. And we have to take that seriously. God gave us His Son on the cross to die for us. Why then would we not want to live for Him? Now that He's given us this new life, why would we not want to live with Him with every ounce of our being? With all the love that we can offer Him from our heart and from our soul. The Bible says clearly, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. If you are to truly love God, you need to love the things He loves and you need to hate the things that He hates. So, It could be the case in your own life if you're walking through spiritual darkness and dryness that there is sin that you have not dealt with before God. And I'm not here to say that any individual here is doing that or that I'm doing that myself. That is for us as people to determine between us and God by the guidance of His Spirit and through the illumination of His Word. But it's something we have to consider. So as we draw to a close here, I want anyone here who is experiencing spiritual depression, spiritual darkness, I want you to understand clearly that God did not save you to leave you in the dark forever. I'm going to repeat that so you remember it. God did not save you to leave you in the dark forever. There is a greater purpose at work in your sadness and in your numbness even if you never find out what that exact purpose is. We know that in the trials of life and in the seasons of numbness that God, He comes along and he, he makes our faith stronger. We know those general promises, right? But there may be something more specific that's going on, something more cosmic that we are just not aware of. Consider Job, for example. Okay? In, in the book of Job, basically, I'll try to summarize this the best I can, what happened was that Satan came to God and said, Hey, Job doesn't worship you because you're good. He worships you because you've given him a bunch of stuff. So take all of that away from him and he will curse you to your face because you're not worth it. That was Satan's challenge to God. I don't know if you've ever thought about it like that before, but that's exactly what he was saying to God. Lord, you're not good enough to be worshiped on your own. He just worships you because you've given him a bunch of stuff. So what happens? God allows Satan to afflict Job But then, and Job, you know, he voices his complaints all throughout the book of Job to the Lord. But then at the end of the book, God comes and he speaks to Job. And he basically says to Job, Job, who do you think you are? I am God. I am the creator of all things. I know what I am doing with this world that I've created. And he never tells Job the reason for why he suffered so much. Never tells him. As far as we know in Scripture, he never told Job why the things that had happened had happened. Never gave him the reason. But after Job contemplated the glory of God, after he saw God face to face and heard him speaking to him out of this storm, Job said, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. Because he had had seen the glory of God, he had seen the goodness of God, and he realized, I don't have to know exactly why I suffered like I did. Because I've seen this great and glorious God and one glimpse of Him has assured me that everything's going to be all right and that everything's going how it's supposed to go and that He is in control always. And I believe that after all the suffering and the hardship we've experienced in this life, that one glimpse of God and glory face-to-face with Him will take all those doubts and questions away like that. Because we'll know immediately in that moment, wow, this is the God who was with me even in the midst of darkness. This is the God who had a purpose and a plan for me because he's so good that he will use the plans of the enemy to destroy me to actually build me up and to strengthen me. So take heart, my brothers and sisters, as you go through darkness. Maybe you've never experienced anything like this. Maybe you're thinking, what on earth is this dude talking about? I don't have a clue what he's saying. I promise you, if you stay in the Christian faith for long enough, you will experience this. There will be times of dryness. There will be times when you feel like God isn't there, but I promise you, He is. Amen. And you will never learn to fully appreciate the light until you've passed through the darkness. That's right. You'll never learn to fully appreciate the light of God's love and grace and mercy and joy until you have gone through the darkest blackness. Because it's there in those moments when God really shows up and shows you how powerful he is. That one day you can be feeling that there's no hope, and the next he can turn everything around. Hey, Jay, if you'll come. There's one more thing I want to address here before we close. That the Bible teaches us, and this is the greatest news of all, the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ himself, he experienced the ultimate darkness on the cross, so that we wouldn't have to. 2 Corinthians 5 21, for our sake, he made him, God made Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God offered Jesus up on the cross for your sins and for my sins, and he poured out his wrath and His punishment, His holy wrath, His righteous punishment against our sins, He poured it out on His own Son. He made His Son drink that cup of unbelievable, immeasurable darkness and pain and agony so that He could save us from the eternal darkness of hell. I promise you that God has not forgotten you, He has never left you, has never forsaken you, has not abandoned you. Even when you go through the darkest times, He's still there with you. If God gave up His Son for you while you were still His enemy, while you hated Him, while you didn't want anything to do with Him, what makes you think that now that you're His beloved daughter or son, that He's going to now abandon you or forsake you? He won't do it. God demonstrates His love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us now that we are His sons and His daughters? Please stand with me. If there's anyone who would like to come and pray for any reason, consider the altars open. I want to share this one last verse, this one last passage with you all. And this is, These are the words of David, a man who lost so many things, who went through so much pain and so many trials and afflictions. Psalm chapter 30, verses 11 through 12. What does David say after going through all these times of darkness? You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. As you go through the darkness, as you walk in this life trusting in the Lord even though you have no light, I promise you that one day you will be singing these words. You will be contemplating how God has brought you from darkness to light, how He has restored His joy and His peace and the feeling of his presence and love to you. There is an end to the darkness. Just keep trusting, keep holding on, keep praying, and keep relying on your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity you've given us, Lord, to consider these words. And God, I just pray that you will help me to always be honest with you, Lord. And I pray for each and every person who is here today, God. Help them all to be honest with themselves and to be honest with you. God, if they're not okay, help them to acknowledge that, hey, I'm not okay. And Lord, reach down into their darkness. Reach down into their pain and into their suffering. And grant them joy once again, Father. Grant them the feeling, Lord, of your presence once again. Grant them, Lord, your peace, your joy, your gentleness. All the things that they need, God, provide for them. And as they go through the darkness without the light, Lord, help them to rely upon your word. Help us all, God, to rely upon your word and to realize that you are faithful. Not because we are good or because we are worthy, God, but because you are good, because you are worthy, because you are faithful and loving and kind and generous with us, Lord. So help us to trust in you, God, no matter what we're facing. And Lord, please bring us all out of the darkness and into your light so that we may rejoice in you once again, Father. Use our trials, use our tribulations for good and help us to never give up hope, Lord. I pray that for each and every person who is here that you will strengthen them, that you will help them to apply these words to their lives. And God, just help us to trust In you, and not in ourselves, and not in how we feel. But we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.